And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is a Ken Hudnall show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the old west and the most haunted city in the country. <coughs> Lord. Well, today is November the 10th. It is the 314th day of the year. 51 days remain till the year's over with. And you all have asked me to do holidays and observances for each day. Well, this is the World Top Up Day, National Vanilla Cupcake Day, Marine Corps Birthday, Area Code Day, National Forget Me Not Day, World Science Day for Peace and Development, Sesame Street Day, International Accounting Day, Great British Game Week, Number Confidence Week, Talk Money Week, Lung Cancer Awareness Month, National Children's Month, National Peanut Butter Lovers Month, World Vegan Month, Movember, National Epilepsy Awareness Month, National Native American Heritage Month, Manatee Awareness Month, National Pomegranate Month, National Novel Writing Month, and National Adoption Month. Additionally, it is uh, November 11th is Veterans Day, but that's Saturday. So this is the observation, November 10th. The uh, okay, 474 AD. Emperor Leo II dies after a reign of 10 months, succeeded by his father Zeno, who become sole ruler of the Byzantine Empire. And let us not forget, the Byzantine Empire was actually the Eastern Roman Empire. And for many, many um, decades, the occupants of the Byzantine Empire considered themselves Romans. But the Western Roman Empire um, thought you had to be live there in order to be a Roman. The uh, empire became so large it was divided uh, so that they could have uh, better rule. Nine thirty-seven A.D. Ten Kingdoms. Li Bian absorbs the throne, deposes Emperor Yang Pu. The Wu state is replaced by Li, uh, who became the first ruler of Southern Tang. Twelve O Two Fourth Crusade. Despite letters from Pope Innocent III forbidding it and threatening excommunication, Catholic crusaders began a siege of Zara. Uh, Zara now is uh, Zadar in Croatia. Uh, 1293, Raiden Wiaja was crowned as the first monarch of the uh, Kingdom of Java, taking the throne name uh, Katarajasa um, Jaya Wardhana. 1444, Battle of Varna. Crusading forces, a king, Ladislaw III of Poland, are defeated uh, by the Turks under Sultan Murad II, and Ladislaw is killed. 1599, Abo bloodbath. Fourteen noblemen are de who deposed Duke Charles are decapitated in the old great square of Turku for their involvement in the war against Sigismund. 1659, Chhatrapati Shivahi Maharatha King kills uh, Atzal Khan, Adil Shahi in the battle promptly known as the Battle of uh, Pratapgar. 1674, Third Anglo-Dutch War. It's provided in the Treaty of Westminster, Netherlands cedes New Netherland to England. Um, New Netherland um, was a 17th century colonial province of the Dutch Republic located on the east coast of what's now the U.S. The territories extended from the Delmarva Peninsula to southwest Cape Cod. While limited settlements were in parts of the states of uh, what became the states of uh, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, and Connecticut with some outposts in Pennsylvania and Rhode Island. 
This colony was originally conceived by the Dutch West Indies Company in 1621 to capitalize on the North American fur trade. Settlement initially stalled because of policy mismanagement by the uh, GWC, that was the uh, Dutch West Indies Company, and conflicts with Native Americans. Settlement of New Sweden by the Swedish South Company encroached on its southern flank. Its eastern border was redrawn to accommodate an expanding New England Confederation. Um, the colony experienced dramatic growth during the 1650s, became a major port for trade in the North uh, Atlantic Ocean. Uh, the Dutch surrendered Fort Amsterdam on Manhattan Island to England in 1664 during the Second Anglo-Dutch War. Uh, 1673, the Dutch retook the area but gave it back to England under the Treaty of Westminster that ended the Third Anglo-Dutch War in, 17, uh, in 1674. So, uh, New York City was originally New Amsterdam. 1702, English colonists under the command of James Moore besieged uh, Spanish St. Augustine during Queen Anne's War. 1766, the last colonial governor of New Jersey, William Franklin, signs a charter of Queen's College, which later had its name changed to Rutgers University. 1775, the U.S. Marine Corps is founded at uh, Tun Tavern in Philadelphia by Samuel Nichols. Uh, 1793, a goddess of reason is proclaimed by the French Convention at the suggestion of Pierre Gaspard Chomet. What they were trying to do was replace religion with something intellectual. And that's where the goddess of reason came from. 1821, cry of independence uh, by Rufina Alfaro at La Via de los Santos, Panama, setting into motion a revolt that led to Panama's independence from Spain to it immediately becoming part of Colombia. The... Uh, You know, so many uprisings have been um, instigated by uh, radical females. Uh, Rufina Alfaro was a female. And Cry of Independence, uh, what she's known, she was a possibly legendary figure in the Panamanian independence movement. She led a march on November 10, 1821, that resulted in the population of Los Santos rising up against the Spanish rulers. Uh, however, even her existence is disputed. She's part of popular memories, even an official symbol of Panama. But there's ap allegedly there's no solid proof she actually existed. Uh, 1947, passenger ship Stephen Whit uh, Whitney is wrecked in thick fog off the southern coast of Ireland. Of the 110 on board, it killed 92. The disaster results in the construction of the Fastnet Rock um, Lighthouse. Eighteen sixty-five, Major Henry Wurz, superintendent of a prison camp in Andersonville, Georgia, is hung, becoming one of only three American Civil War soldiers uh, executed for war crimes. Andersonville had quite a reputation, no question about that. The um, 1871, Henry Morton Stanley locates missing explorer and missionary David Livingstone in uh, Ujiji near Lake Tanganyika, famously greeting him with the words, Dr. Livingstone, I presume. 1898, beginning of the Wilmington Insurrection of 1898, the only instance of a municipal government being overthrown in the United States history. Um, the Wilmington Insurrection of 1898, also known as the Wilmington Massacre of 1898 or the Wilmington Coup of 1898, was a coup d'etat, a massacre, that, which was carried out by white supremacists in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, the white press in Wilmington originally described the event as a race riot caused by black people. But since the late 20th century and our burning desire to make... Uh, White supremacy, the cause of everything that went wrong. Um, the event's been characterized as a violent overthrow of a duly elected government by a group of white supremacists. 
Now, the coup was a result, supposedly, of a group of the state's white Southern Democrats conspiring and leading a mob of 2,000 white men to overthrow the legitimately elected fusionist biracial government in Wilmington. They expelled opposition to black and white political leaders from the city, destroyed the property and businesses of black citizens built up since the Civil War, including the only black newspaper in the city. Killed uh, an estimated 60 to more than 300 people. Um, Wilmington, which is in North Carolina, by the way, is considered a turning point in post-Reconstruction North Carolina politics, part of an era of more severe racial segregation and effective disenfranchisement of African Americans throughout the South, which had been underway since the passage of a new constitution in Mississippi in 1890, which raised barriers against the registration of black voters. The um, when these studies are done, uh, they have to find someone to pin the blame on. And usually the blame is pinned on white supremacy. Uh, that's a vague, inclusive term. Um, but there is right and wrong on both sides of every issue. All right, in 1910, the date of Thomas Davis's opening of the San Diego Army and Navy Academy, although the uh, official founding date is November 23, 1910. The San Diego Army and Navy Academy uh, is an elite private college preparatory military boarding school for boys in Carlsbad, California. Founded in 1910, it admits boys in grades 7 through 12. Um, it was originally located in the public beach neighborhood of San Diego, 1936, and moved to Carlsbad, California, and was renamed the San Diego Army and Navy Academy. In 1944, the San Diego was dropped from the name. The Army and Navy Academy was notably led by William Currier Atkinson, who served as the Academy's president for 50 years. Institutional memory, don't you think? 1918, Western Union Cable Office in North Sydney, Nova Scotia, gets a top-secret coded message from Europe that... Uh, would be sent to Ottawa and Washington, D.C. that said on November 11th, 1918, all fighting would cease on land, sea, and in the air. Referring to World War I, of course. Uh, 1939, Finnish author F.E. Pies are awarded a Nobel Prize in Literature on this date. 1940, the 1940s, Runcia earthquake uh, strikes Romania, killing an estimated thousand and injuring about four thousand more. 1942, World War II, Germany invades Vichy, France, following French Admiral Francois Darlin's agreement to an armistice with uh, the Allies in North Af uh, Africa. 1944, the ammunition ship USS Mount Hood explodes in Seedler Harbor. Uh, Manos, Admiralty Islands, killing at least 432 and wounding 371. 1945, the heavy fighting in Surabaya between Indonesian nationalists and returning colonists uh, after uh, World War II celebrated as Heroes Day. 1946, a magnitude 6.9 earthquake in the Peruvian Andes Mountains kills at least 1,400 people. 1951, with the rollout of the North American Numbering Plan, a direct dial coast-to-coast -coast telephone service begins in the U.S. 1954, President Dwight Eisenhower dedicates the USMC War Memorial, that's the Iwo Jima Memorial in Arlington Ridge Park in Arlington County, Virginia. 1958, the Hope Diamond is donated to the Smithsonian Institution by New York diamond merchant Harry Winston. 1969, National Educational Television, a predecessor to the public broadcasting service in the U.S., debuts uh, Sesame Street. 1970, Vietnam War. Vietnamization. For the first time in five years, an entire weekends with no reports of American combat fatalities in Southeast Asia. And also in 1970, Luna 17, an uncrewed space mission was launched by the Soviet Union. 
In this date, 1971, in Cambodia, Khmer Rouge forces attacked the city of Phnom Penh and its airport. Kills 44, wounding at least 30 and damaging nine aircraft. 1971, a Mirpati Nusantara airline, Vickers Viscount, uh, crashes into the Indian Ocean near Padang, West Sumatra, Indonesia. Killed all 69 people on board. 1972, Southern Airways Flight 49 from Birmingham, Alabama is hijacked and at one point is threatened with crashing into the nuclear installation at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. Two days later, the plane lands in Havana, Cuba, where the hijackers are arrested by Fidel Castro. 1975, 729-foot-long freighter SS Edmund Fitzgerald sinks during a storm in Lake Superior, killing all 29 crew on board. Now, also in 1975, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. United Nations General Assembly passes Resolution 3379 determining that Zionism is a form of racism, which I find fascinating. 1979, a 106-car Canadian Pacific freight train carrying explosives and poisonous chemical from Windsor, Ontario, Canada, derails and Mississauga, Ontario. 1983, Bill Gates introduces Windows 1.0. 1985, a Dassault Falcon 50 and a Piper PA-28 Cherokee collide midair over Fairview, New Jersey. Kills six people and injures eight. 1989, longtime Bulgarian leader Todor Zivkov is removed from office and replaced by a Patar Mladenov. Also in 1989, Germans begin to tear down the Berlin Wall. 1995, in Nigeria, playwright and environmental activist Ken Sarawiwa, along with eight others from the movement for the survival of the Algoni people, are hung by government forces. 1997, WorldCom and MCI Communications announced a $37 billion merger, the largest merger in U.S. history at the time. 2002, Veterans Day weekend tornado outbreak. Tornado outbreak stretching from northern Ohio to the Gulf Coast. One of the largest outbreaks recorded in November took place on this date. 2006, Sri Lankan Tamil politician Nadaraja Raviraji is assassinated in Colombo. 2006, the National Museum of the Marine Corps in Quantico, Virginia is opened and dedicated by U.S. President George H.W. Bush. I'm sorry, George W. Bush who announces Marine Corporal J- uh, Jason Dunham will posthumously receive the Medal of Honor. 2008, over five months after landing on Mars, NASA declares the Phoenix mission concluded after communications with the lander were lost. 2009, ships of the south and... Um, <clears throat> 2008, uh, as I was saying... NASA declared the Phoenix mission over after communications with the lander stopped. That raises interesting questions. 2009, ships of the North and South Korean navies fight off Daechong Island in the Yellow Sea. 2019, President of Bolivia, Evo Morales, and several of his government, uh, members of his government resigned after 19 days of civil protest and a recommendation from the military. Offered them a head start, apparently. 2020, Armenia and Azerbaijan signed a ceasefire agreement ending the second Nagomo-Karabakh war and prompting protest in Armenia. There's always protest, usually led by activists who believe they're fighting for truth, justice, and whatever way it is they think is the way it ought to be. Doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about, though. Well... <clears throat> We've been talking about, um, well, we did a little bit yesterday about the war in the Middle East, which has gotten uh, worse. The, um, and Israel is not pulling any punches. They went after five Iranian-backed uh, uh, or Iranian-controlled uh, terrorist bases. 
It's going to be interesting to see what happens if they decide Iran has to go, which, well, could be uh, the situation. The um, You know, when I was younger, I used to listen to uh, shortwave all the time. And I discovered that our news media, more often than not, doesn't give us the full story. I would listen to the commentators in the countries I was interested in. And I'd get the story there and then see what our media reported. Quite often, it was different at night and day. And now it came out yesterday that CNN, AP, New York Times, um, Reuters uh, had reporters and photographers embedded with Hamas, which meant they had to know what was going to happen before it happened. But of course, these fine, upstanding Um, news bosses deny everything. Oh, they're just stringers, and they send us stuff and we use it. No. Internationally like that, uh uh-uh. You have contracts. You expect stories. You hire people to cover certain things in certain areas. The... uh, It's just crazy, and Netanyahu says he's getting to the bottom of it. Turns out when uh, Israel pulled out of Gaza and turned it over to the Palestinians, the Palestinians turned it over to Hamas. And all this foreign aid that's come in, billions and billions and billions of dollars, have gone to the hospitals or whatever it was supposed to go to, and then they've paid a portion of it to Hamas. Uh, it was made clear in something I listened to today that if you're a reporter, you don't survive an anti-Hamas story. Um, so, uh, a lot of what we're seeing in the news media, based on experience, is crap. They're reporting things from their point of view, especially CNN. Um, you know, Talib just got sanctioned for uh, from the river to the sea, which is the uh, mantra of the Let's Destroy Israel group. And Reed, who's a host on MSNBC, said, well, it doesn't necessarily mean that. It could have other meanings. Um But she didn't say what the other meanings were. And MSNBC is not exactly what I would call uh, a major player in the truth industry. All right. We've been talking about... Um, oh, I was talking about... Uh, listen to Shortwave. I would recommend before everything goes to crap here, having uh, a secondary communication source. Now, we use cell phones and have for years. And the other day, when something happened to the Internet, it detrimentally affected our cell phone service, even though the cell phone company had given me a booster. That works beautifully. And... The problem is it hooks in through the Internet. And while the cell phone towers are separate from the Internet, um, it still had a major impact. A shortwave radio, even if you just listen, you can find more truth listening to uh, the people on the ground than you ever could listening to CNN or reading the New York Times. New York Times, Washington Post, 
LA Times have all come out as as um, actually organs of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has its own agenda, and the media dutifully follows whatever the Democratic Party says do. Um, so I recommend a short radio. You can get them from $24 was the cheapest I saw up to uh, 12 1400 And the interesting thing is it more than pays for itself. Now, if you want to really get fancy, get a ham license and talk to people around the world. But um, at a minimum, be able to listen. Well, as I've made no secret of, we're in West Texas, which is normally hot. Um, this morning it was um, 43, and it just dropped. And it's been raining, and I'm very surprised we haven't had snow. Well, I've been talking about unsolved murders. But my fascination was the mysteries in general. And I'm going to talk today about uh, strange happenings, asylums and hospitals and other institutions. Uh, when I used to do the ghost tours, people asked me all kinds of bizarre questions. And one question I found fascinating is why would an old hospital be haunted? And my question back to them was, well... Why wouldn't it be? People die there. And hauntings take place where people have been the happiest or the most unhappy. And you have both in a hospital. The, uh, well, look at all the trauma that comes into a hospital. The sudden deaths, the near-death experiences. Um, let's go to the state of Utah. Asylum 49, which originally was known as the Tuelli um, Hospital. According to information given to me, if a building could ever be described as being schizophrenic, this particular building would be located in the city of Tuilly, less than an hour's drive from Salt Lake City. One half of the building is an abandoned medical care facility that was uh, turned into a fright-based haunted house attraction. The other half is a fully functional retirement home for senior citizens. Now, that's a great combination. The fact that these two widely different worlds are able to coexist in apparent harmony is surprising. The only thing that separates them is a single doorway between the old wing and the, the new one. Now, the building was originally built in 1873 by a man named Samuel Lee. It was a family residence for 40 years before passing into the hands of uh, the county in 1913. At that time, it was used as a care home for senior citizens and those who had special needs. Now, it's nicknamed during that, uh, that area speaks uh, volumes. Because all the locals referred to it as the county poorhouse. That's where you went when you didn't have money to go anyplace else. Now, Mr. Lee and his young son, Thomas, are said to be... Uh, two of the ghosts to haunt the corridors and bedrooms of this historic old structure. At about seven years of age, Thomas, uh, who was described as a playful, mischievous uh, spirit, takes great delight in playing games with the staff and residents of the nursing facility. 
Not to mention those that visit uh, the haunted house in the hopes of getting a good scare. After closing its doors as a hospital for the last time, the old building has had occasional brushes with fame by serving as a TV and movie set. It was uh, the set for the TV miniseries adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand, where it stood in for the very real Border Community Hospital during filming. Entrepreneurs Kim and Cammie Anderson created the medically-themed Halloween-style haunted house known as Asylum 49 in 2006, complete with its own ambulances, which are sometimes crewed by demonic-looking paramedics and doctors. Also doesn't hurt in the least bit that the building sits directly adjacent to the local cemetery. That's always uh, a good ambiance. Starting out with an extremely skeptical attitude, the Andersons quickly became convinced their new investment was a haunted house and uh, more than just name. Now, a number of psychic mediums have visited throughout the years and have made some remarkable claims about the place. Maybe the most intriguing one is that the old Thule Hospital uh, contains a portal to another dimension in which a ghostly nurse named uh, Maria is said to stand guard. She warns away the spirits of newly deceased residents from taking the wrong path into the afterlife. More disturbing aspect of the haunting is the uh, presence of a frightening man in black. His shadow figure, said to be malicious, is seen wandering the halls after dark and is a source of great trepidation for those who've encountered him. This uh, shadow figure is most commonly seen at three in the morning. Nurses have witnessed this apparition walk across the hallway and pass directly through a locked door, which turned out not to be locked. Uh, turned out to be locked from the inside. Getting no answer from the patient inside the room, the night duty nurse summoned the maintenance man to take the door off its hinges. Both the nurse and the maintenance man were shocked to find that the occupant of the room, who uh, had been visited by the uh, shadow figure, had died earlier that night. Nobody knew it. Well, the ghost of a young girl was also seen. At first, she seemed localized to one specific conference room in the condemned hospital wing, but when Asylum 49 Haunted House opened its doors for business, customers often claimed that the scariest part of the attraction was the young girl who followed them around from room to room. Staff didn't really have the heart to tell them that there was no young girl working at Asylum 49. Maybe the most frightening aspect of the haunting of this former hospital is the belief commonly held by the nursing staff that uh, the appearance of this ghostly young girl is an omen of death within the building. Well, in 2011, Zach Baggins and his Ghost Adventurers crew spent the night locked down in Asylum 49, where they experienced what appears to be some fascinating, potentially paranormal activity. Baggins and his crew interviewed the current nursing home staff on camera. Those uh, trained medical professionals were not shy about uh, recounting their own ghostly encounters within the building. There's the sound of what the staff presumed to be an escaped patient who was heard walking back and forth across the roof about 4.31 morning. When they managed to get up to the roof themselves, there was nobody there. A team of local paranormal investigators named the Utah Ghost Organization who were conducting an EVP session in the building got a Class A EVP. That's uh, electronic voice phenomena. And a Class A EVP is the best and clearest possible type of electronic voice phenomena, believed to be the voice of a deceased person. And it clearly stated the name of an x-ray technician who used to work at the hospital. This finding was mirrored by the Ghost Adventures crew during their own night at the Thule Hospital, and they uh, also got a Class A EVP, which quite clearly said the name Zach Baggins. Now, I don't know about you, but if some spirit's going to be tossing my name around, I've got an issue with that. Ghost Adventure Boys also captured what they believed to be a hostile, verbally abusive male voice growling at them in one of the Asylum 49 rooms, and then later speaking directly in the Baggins' ear. 
Similarly, crude EVPs were recorded on the team's digital voice recorders. High-pitched female scream was also picked up by the Ghost Adventurers team in addition to a forlorn, almost like almost childlike moan, which was uh, captured on an old-style reel-to-reel analog tape recorder. Using heat-sensitive thermal imaging cameras, Baggins and his team also captured an intriguing heat anomaly, which uh, came into view and it disappeared almost instantaneously. Also recorded on camera was a ball that was being used as a control object, which subsequently rolled down the corridor toward their locked-off video camera. Baggins believed that this could have been a manifestation of two uh, childlike shadow figures he'd seen standing right next to him, playfully moving the ball around for him. But during their lockdown, the Ghost Adventurers crew also witnessed doors slamming inside empty rooms, footsteps were heard in deserted hallways, and investigator Aaron Goodwin claimed that uh, he was grabbed on the hip by an unseen hand. That would have me uh, creating a new doorway to get out of the hospital. Well, Baggins theorized the whole hospital is now basically a ghost manufacturing factory, uh, especially considering the fact that uh, elderly inhabitants are still passing away there on a regular basis. Now, whether you buy into his theory or not, there's no doubt something strange and mysterious is going on inside Asylum 49. Um, Kim and Cammie Anderson were more than willing to... Uh, let an investigator and a couple of um, others uh, from the Boulder County Paranormal Research Society spend a night there and take a look at the place firsthand. It was a bright and sunny Saturday morning in May when they loaded up their trucks and took Interstate 25 north out of Colorado. A little convoy headed west through Wyoming and into Utah, putting more than 500 miles of empty prairie behind them and the and they got to Salt Lake City. Ominous great thunderclouds were hanging low in the sky. And then shortly after that, the heavens opened up and rain pounded the windshield. Well, so many scary movies and stories begin with it was a dark and stormy night, but it's rarely true. Uh, I mean, I did ghost tours for 20 years. And even if it looked like it was going to storm, it didn't. Well, as they pulled into the parking lot of the Silent 49, it felt like the perfect night for something paranormal to happen. Because the daylight was starting to melt away into the gloom of twilight, they didn't waste any time putting their cameras um, into operation and circling the building, snapping photographs of the exterior. They worked their way to the rear of the building, came upon some abandoned medical office buildings and very neatly kept cemetery, the same one that uh, Baggins, uh, where Baggins had interviewed Kim Anderson during the Ghost Adventures TV episode. Well, somebody um, didn't pick up on their props because they immediately saw a disembodied hand clawing its way up out of a grave, which is more conducive to Halloween than it is to a serious investigation. Now, Kim, Cammie, and the staff were warm and friendly and very welcoming. Kim was hard at work on construction of the building. Silent 49's in constant work in progress as the uh, Anderson's... Um, Strive to make it better and better with every passing season. But they took a break to fill out the newcomers on the, the background of, of the situation. And then Cami escorted them on a tour throughout the building, pointing out the areas of interest and specific um, haunted hotspots. Well, in the north wing, they turned a corner that led into the maternity area, only to come face to face with a life size uh, human centipede. Three dummies positioned uh, with a life-size uh, life-size dummies. I can't talk. Position nose to tail in the most disturbing way. The uh, 
Cammy laughed and said, We go where other haunted houses don't dare. During the course of the tour, they encountered a crashed UFO complete with a snarling alien crew and eggs that ooze slime and a disturbing array of surgical oddities, such as a dismembered body sewn together in a sinister tableau that looked as though they might have been pieced together by a deranged anatomist. Evil experiments conducted by a surgical team from hell on an unwilling, bed-bound victim. I mean, that's always a great way to start a tour. All this was barely scratching the surface. But clearly, Asylum Asylum 49 is not a place for the faint of heart. Well, the investigators heard about the impressions given by a number of mediums and people claiming psychic abilities who visited Asylum 49. They claimed the resident spirits included at least one doctor and a nurse and a pair of little girls named Tabitha and Sarah, and one of their spirits is both deaf and unable to speak. Now, Cammie had said she had personally seen the apparitions of Tabitha, the doctor, and the nurse. Well... During the interview with Kim and Cammie, they were standing in the same location that doubled as the baby ward of Boulder Community Hospital, the TV series uh, adaptation of The Stand. And, uh, you know, a nod to a well-known movie is always a good segue. Uh, according to Cammie, this hospital was sort of known as the Hospital of Death. Nobody would come here if they could help it for a number of reasons. This was a small town, and the hospital was built mainly because there was a lot of military bases around here. Andersons have been running a haunted house in the city of Thule for well over ten years, and all the spirits there know who they are, uh, according to Cammy. They like to peek in and sometimes be a part of the show. Sarah especially likes to scare the customers. She said, I've seen her every year. Looks like the girl from the movie The... The Grudge, very pale with dark brown hair. And then Kim broke in to describe some of the evidence that he and Cammie had gathered during their time running Asylum 49. He believes that the reason for him being able to gather such a wealth of fascinating results is the Andersons have built and nurtured a relationship with the paranormal residents of the building, particularly because they both spend so many of their waking hours inside there doing renovation work. Well, while conducting his own amateur ghost hunt with some friends and family, a Serbian uh, friend of Kim's uh, captured an extraordinary photograph in the main hallway late one night. It contained what appeared to be the form of a man at the end of the empty corridor. Ghost hunter exclaimed, I can see you. What's your name? And the voice uh, popped up with, My name is Robert. Robert happened to be the name of a shadow figure that was well known by the Asylum 49 staff to haunt that very same hallway. Now, Robert, of course, isn't alone, and the figure captured by the Serbian's digital camera wasn't him. But zooming in to blow up the facial features, there appeared to be somewhat, uh, shall we say, unnatural in appearance. As though the man's wearing a mask of some kind. In fact, his features look decidedly clown-like, an opinion that... Uh, Kim went on to voice several times after the picture was taken. Uh, accompanying the medium through the building one day, Kim was thrilled to hear that there was a spirit lurking in the hallway that was less than happy with her. The medium said, uh, this spirit believes you make fun of him. He says you call him a clown or something. And Kim suddenly realized who the medium was talking about, the clown guy. And the medium said his face looks like that because of how he died. He died in a fire. And basically his features um, began to melt. Shadow forms and figures are nothing new to Asylum 49. They crop up regularly on both the in-house security video system and on the cameras brought by visitors. One particularly chilling piece of video footage was taken in an area of the building that had been informally dubbed the Scary Hall by the Asylum 49 staff. Shadowy figure can clearly be seen lurking in the back of a guided tour group that is makes its way along the corridor. Kind of a ghostly hanger on uh, capture for posterity by a video camera. Well, passing through what had once been the patient rooms, um, there was an observation made that the beds looked old enough to have been the original hospital beds, which uh, Cammy did confirm they were. 
Anderson's both will feel that because they're still residents of the hospital, the spirits who remain there is what they're referring to, they'd like to retain as many of the fixtures and furnishings as they can. For instance, one of the rooms is haunted by the ghost of an older lady who likes to stimulate uh, EMF meter readings when a deck of cards is brought out in the central hallway from which many of the rooms branch off, paranormal investigators have captured video footage of a shadowy figure walking into one of the rooms. They stopped at uh, the door of that room, which is said to be haunted by a patient uh, by the name of Wes, who suffered from the cruel and debilitating condition known as Alzheimer's and schizophrenia. Visiting medium stated that this particular ghost is still earthbound due to the fact he died in a state of confusion. Although if true, this would beg the question of why millions of people who die in a state of confusion uh, don't remain behind his ghost. And maybe they do, and we're just not aware of it. Um, they told Cammy that uh, those investigators don't believe in uh, provocation as a means of stimulating an interaction with ghosts due to its uh, disrespectful nature, but they do favor encouraging them to communicate with them. Cammy cautioned them that Wes and some of the other residents of Asylum 49 have been known to respond by scratching and pinching overly provocative investigators. And uh, those investigators on the tour pondered this warning as they stood outside Wes's room looking at the pencil, ske pencil, pencil sketch of him drawn by one of the visiting psychics placid-looking uh, older man with a bald head and a level gaze stared back at him from the drawing that was placed outside the door. Now, the former doctor's lounge was known for having a, an hospitable atmosphere, reinforced by the fact that on one occasion when Cammy was vacuuming, a voice had told her to get out. Moving into the x-ray room, they heard of the resident spirit there, a former technician who'd worked at the hospital during its heyday and despite not having died on the premises, seemed to have come back to the place he loved to work uh, after his death. Tex had given his full name to the investigators in the form of an EBP, which uh, these investigators actually heard and found extremely compelling. And a check of the records confirmed that the name given in the EVP was in fact the correct name of the dead x-ray tech. This is an intelligent facet of the haunt that loves to interact with uh, living visitors of Asylum 49, but it's not the only one by a long shot. Then Cammy led him to another area and said, this is the guardian's area, referring to the part of the hospital that was close to, uh, close to the entrance doors. They pushed their way through what seemed like hundreds of trash bags suspended from the ceiling, making a little bit of a claustrophobic maze. This room had been the MRI chamber when the hospital was still open. Cammy said he's big, he's grumpy, and he'll mess with you a lot, especially your equipment. Um, when Jay from Ghost Mine came for his tourist, K2 meter was K2 meter was in the red the entire time, and there's no electrical sources operational to explain it because quite often uh, improperly shielded electrical uh, connections can in fact influence a, take, a K2 meter. They believe the Guardian could be behind the physical attacks on investigators that are taking place in this area as well. Well, they entered the mirror maze, surrounded by reflections of, of uh, reflections of reflections of themselves on every surface, and warned about the resident male ghosts that like to grab female visitors in inappropriate parts of their body. Uh, Cammy showed a photo taken by female visitors to the maze, which, although nothing unusual seen at the time, she would look like faces and figures staring back from the depths of one of the mirrors. Now, this would be easy to dismiss as uh, periodolia, the brain's tendency to see human forms and faces and natural patterns of light. But the level of detail is a little bit too sharp to be a fluke. Unsurprisingly, although paranormal activity takes place at the Silent 49 all year round, it, uh, it's at its, various, it's at its height during late October when the commercial haunted house is in full swing. Hordes of visitors eager to experience the thrills and chills cooked up by the, the Andersons and their staff bring along with them a tsunami of emotional energy, something from which the uh, spirits seem to be able to draw. 
2014 Halloween season, more than 38,000 visitors came through the doors of Asylum 49. And that is a lot of energy. And think about the money they make if they just charge $10 a ticket. Well, Kim rolled a number of hospital beds out into the hallway shortly before opening doors to the public, placed mannequins on each one, and covered the fake bodies with white sheets, which, of course, created a rather creepy hallway of cadavers. Well, satisfied with his work, Kim was just about to go back to the main entrance to get the evening rolling when he suddenly stopped. And there, standing in the doorway of patient room number two, was the apparition of a little girl. He said he could see her as plain as day. She was completely solid, wearing a full-length lace dress. Long brown hair fell down over her shoulders. She had uh, both hands over her eyes, and she was crying. She kept repeating, it's not fair, it's not fair. Well, this was said to be Sarah putting on an appearance. Little girl usually manifested in either the nursery or like to, on that particular night, patient room number two. Like to hide in a nook between the rocking chair and the heater in the nursery and been seen there by quite a few staff and visitors to the old hospital over the years. Well, engaging her in conversation despite the outlandish of the situation, Kim was told that Sarah wasn't happy because uh, she wanted to join in with the carefully clothed, blood-splattered actors who were about to scare the patrons halfway out of their minds. Thinking quickly, Kim asked the ghosted little child to hide underneath the beds out in the hallway and snatch at the feet of the passers-by as they came by the beds. At that point, Sarah faded to black and disappeared before Kim's astonished eyes. Well, on that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back in our next show and talk more about haunted hospitals and asylums and institutions. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.